Coming up on November 18th is the Manitoba Loud Music Awards. Nominees include 62 bands and 28 industry pros from right here in Manitoba, 19 of whom have been featured on this podcast. There are 18 awards chosen by you, the fans, that will be awarded that night, and you'll get performances by School of Rock, Ash and the Arsonists, Northern Royals, Book of Ghosts, and the mighty Econoline Crush. Tickets are available at myparktheater.com. Again, that's the Manitoba Loud Music Awards, November 18th at the Park Theatre in Winnipeg. If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing... Go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with someone who has a, uh, you know, people who listen to the show, who have been listening for a long time, know that uh, I try to talk to people who are either in Manitoba, from Manitoba, have a connection to the province, and a lot of the time that means I'm talking to artists who, you know, grew up here, spent uh, their formative years here, and then have gone on to uh, other parts of the country or other parts of the world, you know, onto bigger and better things. And I think that um, the guest on this episode is someone who has, has done just that. I mean, you've, you've been sort of uh, quite successful as far as Canadian artists go and as far as uh, someone coming out of this part of the world. Um, is concerned, and I think the best way to start this off is if you want to just introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is you do as an artist. Um, okay, my name is Trevor Hurst. I am the lead singer and uh, songwriter, main songwriter, I guess, for Conline Crush. Um, I grew up in uh, a hamlet called Cromer, Manitoba, went to high school in Verdon, Manitoba, um, and uh, currently I'm working at Chinookwapka Dakota Nation as a home and community care nurse and mental wellness worker. And uh, that is just in the southwest corner of the province of Manitoba, near Pipestone. That's very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's neat to hear that you're, uh, you're, you're back here and you're, you're doing that kind of work. Um, Verdon, I, I, my first journalism job actually out of, out of college was in Verdon. I was working for the paper out there. And it's a nice little town, I mean, but it is very little. And that whole community, there's lots of little smaller communities around there. So, uh, you know, before we get into sort of what you're doing now, what was that like, you know, being an aspiring musician living in that, that, that small of a, of a place? <laughs> well, first off, don't you think the newspaper has the best name ever, the Burden Empire Advance? It's amazing. Yeah, it sounds like some kind of sci-fi villain or something. It's awesome. Yeah, Star Wars, right? Totally. Um, it was, you know, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to get involved in music. I love music. I love being a part of that whole artistic scene. I, I think... It was kind of weird at the beginning when I started, when I went out to Vancouver, even going to Winnipeg and working with bigger bands because of the fact that I wasn't culturally um, exposed to a lot of different genres and different types of music. So it was like, but then again, you know, maybe that was an advantage because when I got to Vancouver and just sort of started to be exposed to more alternative type music, I was just like 
you know, what? You know, just fell in love with all the different sounds. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, what kind of stuff were you listening to sort of in the early days? I think it was just AM radio, like you know, whatever my mom had on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how a lot of people start out. Definitely. And then, like as a teenager, you know, the usual stuff, like like the ACDCs and those Zeppelins and all that stuff. Um, I, I did get into U2 a little when I was early in Killing Joke. Like, I had a punk rock friend. There was one punk rocker in Verdon. <laughs> and and so he listened to Killing Joke and, and Black Flag. And so I kind of liked that stuff. And then uh, when, we, when I went to Vancouver, obviously, it was just this explosion of music. There was so many bands, so many different styles and genres. Uh, you know that from everything from the cure to uh, DOA, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and Econoline Crush. I mean, you know, the, the, you're a band that I I first started listening to in the '90s, and it's sort of cool to see uh, you know someone from Manitoba fronting a band like this that was getting a lot of buzz uh, across the country, and you're playing some some huge shows and festivals and things like that. And it seems like very recently, and maybe this is just me not paying enough attention, but it seems like very recently the name has come up a lot more. I mean, you played the the, uh, the Corn and Apple Festival in Morden. And that was that was big news. I mean, you're you're now doing the uh, Manitoba Loud Music Awards in Winnipeg. Has Econoline Crush been sort of steadily going this entire time, or has there been a recent resurgence? Well, we've been steadily kind of going. I, I went, you know, when the music industry kind of it seemed like in the in the early two thousands, um, it was it changed dramatically. You know, there wasn't that kind of CD sale or whatever product sale, yeah. uh, vinyl, whatever. It all went to streaming. Streaming doesn't pay as much, um, you know, and then just we went through a lot of different kind of phases. And then after, well, well, just before COVID, we started to make a record and then COVID hit and it was like, oh, my gosh, are we even going to have a music industry anymore? It felt like so. Um, yeah, I spent spent that time uh, recording and uh, we finished the record and we got it mixed by Jack Joseph Puig in um, I think it was April. Okay. And then uh, um, uh, April of uh, a year ago, and and Ziggy, our guitar player, uh, passed away uh, around that time, and so that was a big hit for the band. But but really, we've been always working towards and recording music and trying to keep it going. Um, for me, music is almost like a religious process or something because it's how I express myself, it's how I vent, it's how I, you know, just do everything that. Uh, around my mental health like it keeps me sort of keeps me going and uh so i think it's been a very important part of our career like just to and my life just to to continue to make music yeah well and i think just just from following you on social media it seems like uh you know losing a band member and obviously a friend too that they you seem to be have put a lot out there about music serving that role and and making you be, be able to deal with with grief and and with tragedy and things like that yeah, like I think it's there's there's something kind of unique about music in, in the way that it affects us as human beings. There's the, you know, the chord structures and the way that those those frequencies hit us, and the and then the singing and the that aspect lyrics. Obviously, it just it, it it's very therapeutic. And and for me, writing and creating music has been such a big part of my life that it was the only way that I could really deal with the loss was to just go back in and write another song and continue to write songs and kind of honor Ziggy's history, you know? So that, that's sort of the, the way it works for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
How has the, um, I mean, you know, having been a band for, for as long as you have, uh, obviously through different eras, and I'm sure you've had lineup changes and things like that over that time, but how has the yeah. sound changed? I mean, obviously, you know, it's going to change regardless of how long you've been around, just from, from playing shows and rehearsing and writing. But, I mean, when you when you started out, uh, the band had very uh, industrial vibes going on, uh, yeah. along with the alternative rock, and that seems like it's sort of been there throughout. How, how would you say the sound has changed from, you know, maybe the early days of the band to, to now? I think like there's, we used to always make kind of comments sometimes about about industrial music and early industrial music and the sprockets, you know, we'd say, oh, it's the sprockets. And so we are less like that sort of machine sound now, I think, but we still employ that um, artistic vibe. What I always loved about the genre of music that we tried to create was we were basically a rock band that would utilize anything samples whatever to get across our emotional vibe of the song whatever it was that we were trying to say and even still in the new stuff there's you know screaming and yelling and banging and things falling down and and imitating uh instruments with my voice and and imitating instruments with other instruments just to try and create some kind of different sound tons of you know um effects on things to make him just i wanted to be like i always admired david bowie and i always wanted to to push the limits of what I was doing as an artist. And I feel like he always used to say, if you weren't uncomfortable making a record, you know, you weren't really doing it right. So I follow that sort of feeling. And I don't, as a band, we don't really create for our audience or for a audience. We make the music we make and hopefully people like it. And it sounds sort of selfish and maybe it is, but I think when you listen to guys like say Rick Rubin, he says, you know, that's who you have to work for is because that's, that makes your music unique, right? It makes it it makes it unique to you. Well, in that in that case too, you're making sure that it's something that you you feel honestly about and and, and sincerely about because you're doing it for yourself first and foremost, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think that that then allows you to perform the music with this authenticity and draw upon the emotion that originally inspired the song when you're performing it live, so that it, it people I think feel that. And that was the big thing about this this record was that. I really um, had a lot of pent-up frustration over the years, and I really wanted to create something that that I think could express the joy of life and the frustration of life and how um, important music was to me and how my relationships were important to me with my, you know, friends that had passed. You know, I was very good friends with Paul Raven from Killing Joke. Um, Bill Kennedy was a producer. I lost my parents. So there's a lot of people, key people in my life that so and Ziggy uh, that left, and and I felt like I wanted to honor them with with some music, and then honor my you know my family, my kids, my wife, and how important they are to me too.
does does playing music that that's you know uh, fairly aggressive, especially live, does that help? Is it kind of cathartic to get some of those feelings out um, on stage? Oh yeah, man, it's the best. I mean, you know, it's like I, I wish I could some days. I wish I could bottle it up and just like give it to people. Go, this is what it feels like because it's so cool. Like, there's nothing like that feeling of just like slamming out a song and getting it all out. And when you're done the set, you know, you sit in, in the dressing room for a second, all just sweaty, and you just it feels so good. It's just like it's the most amazing feeling. <laughs> yeah. Has that changed over the years, or is that still? totally the, the same yeah it's so cool like i don't i don't know you know i everybody's different right but like i feel the same as i did when we started i feel like uh yeah just like that yeah absolutely well it's a good attitude to have i think is, is to have that feeling because that's going to keep you young i guess right and keep you uh inspired to keep making music yeah and and, and you know it's interesting too like it, this whole journey in life right like yeah uh, i i don't I don't know, you know, there's, you would think that it would come with some form of instruction, uh, but there's, uh, there's no handbook really. And you just like, uh, yeah, you just, you just got to do it the best you know how and just get kind of navigated. Yeah, definitely. Have you, um, do you feel like, I mean, I guess obviously the way that you, like you said earlier, the music industry has completely changed since the pandemic and the way people consume music is is drastically different than it was even, you know, 15 years ago uh, with streaming and everything else like that. Is it, how much harder is it, I guess, to, to be a musician now where sort of that whole infrastructure that was, that was built up, uh, you know, when you started out and during the first majority of your career to, to date uh, is gone. And the way you, you don't necessarily know people are buying albums, they're maybe streaming 10 seconds of one song and then, you know, uh, skipping to the next thing. Uh, like, does that affect sort of your uh, ability to, to, to write and, and to, to plan what you're going to be releasing and that kind of stuff? I think that, like, you have to then before you kind of knew that this was your job uh playing music and that that you had the infrastructure of the label with tour support with whatever that they could do to contribute to help you continue making music the way that that it works now with us is like you have to fund your art and hopefully eventually your art kind of comes back around and pays uh for itself and then maybe you make some money with it and we're doing all right but we're not like we're not at the same place we were obviously at, at, at the height of the 90s and that whole scene but what's interesting is we've never been a band that has fit into a particular slot and and been like oh they're successful because of abc like we always were kind of fighting an uphill battle and we're used to being an underdog and i think it's something that we thrive in i know i personally take a lot of pride in the fact that people would, I would take meetings with program directors back in, in the 90s and they would sparkle and shine, for example. They'd say, we can't play this song. Like, this has this is not rock and roll. I don't even know what this is. This is just not a song that is going to last, dude. Like, you're, you're going to be a footnote. Nobody's even going to know you existed. And here we are, like, 25, almost 30 years later, the song still gets played on radio. And I feel so scrappy about that. Like, I feel so like prairie hockey player kind of, you know, like, that's right, you know. <laughs> well, and that might be your best known song, I think, for a lot of people, too, at this point, right? So you definitely subverted expectations there. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, I, I, you don't know what it's like was done, did pretty well. And, and sure. uh, all of you are. It's, but yes, yeah, Sparkle is one of those ones. I think Sparkle also um, connects because of, um, 
the fact too, like it, it's about, uh, you know, the, the drug overdose of Shannon Hoon and being an entertainer and being forced out into the, into the spotlight when you're not ready. And, and um, I think there's some people that connect with that and, and the message there. And that's sort of when we went in to make this new record, uh, you know, it was, I was very conscious of lyrics more so probably than I've ever been of just wanting to get them <clears throat> as right as possible as, and, and, and make my point as, as succinctly as possible. What is, so? What's the process like for for recording now? I mean, you know, like, like you said at the outset, you're you're working a job right now uh, that that is not music related. I mean, I'm sure some of the other members of the band are doing the same. How how, how does it work as far as getting together to record and to write and, and all of the, all of those sort of aspects uh, of putting a record together? Well, it's a lot more <clears throat> it's a lot more challenging. Uh, music gets shared across the internet, you know, and I'll, I'll get some pieces of music or some chord progressions suggest an arrangement i'll work on a melody and then you know you take off you take time off to tour you take time off to go record and you have to find a a job or a place that you that will allow you to do that or else you know you're not going to be able to um it took quite a bit of time covid actually in a weird way helped because um you know i was not working at the time so i was able to go and and record yeah um um it's just different technology helps and hurts it at the same time you know like all the downloads kind of hurt it but the ability to share music instantly and quickly with each other and have ideas you know you can almost do it online together as in a zoom meeting or whatever just talk about things so but for me i still kind of am pretty old school i like to take the 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 music and live with it for a while work on lyrics come up with a melody live with that for a bit in my head then maybe track it on my own live with that for a bit and then i bring it back to the guys and then we decide you know once we've got enough songs that we believe in then we go into the studio and and work on it that way so it's a it's a whole process so you're you're part of that process seems like it's a fairly fairly solitary thing until you all get together right you you, you're, you're doing that all on your own Yes. Yeah, well, no, I, 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 yeah, like I don't have anybody with me when I'm working on the melodies and, and the lyrics and stuff usually. Uh, and, and then there's the process once you get in with the producer that, because I always like to have a producer, somebody to kind of like poke me, prod me and question me and test me and make me, you know, do things that are outside my comfort zone so that then, you know, you're challenged with every single lyric, every single melody and, and pushed that way. Like I don't want somebody that, to produce the band that's just going to say, oh, that, that's perfect. Let's just get that down. I want them to challenge me. You know? Well, you're going to get better better end product when, when that happens, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
So you're playing in Winnipeg, um, I guess it's the end of November, at the uh, Manitoba Loud Music Awards. How, how did you get involved with that uh, event? It's interesting. I think, uh, well, we've always kind of had our, um, we're always looking for stuff to do in Manitoba because of, like, I have tremendous pride of being from Manitoba. And uh, I think our agent was uh, looking around for gigs and or spoke to somebody there. Somehow that connection was made. And uh, we jumped at it because it was so cool, like, to, to play this this event and uh, get a chance to see the Manitoba bands in action. And, yeah, that's just sort of, you know, how it comes about. We were already doing a run um, out east and working. We, we had a bunch of shows that kind of f- fell off a little bit, but we, we were playing a bunch of shows with uh, Finger Eleven. I think we okay. still have two on this run. And uh, we played two last year. And, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, we always want to play in Manitoba, so we jump at a chance if there's something cool to do. Is that sort of what happened with the Corn and Apple Festival too? Because that was it was it was very. I was surprised to see you and Sloan on, on the bill for that show because you know usually it'll be you know some uh, country band or something, and this was this was uh, kind of unexpected. I I know right. Like I was actually floored. I said we got an offer to play the what Corn and Apple <laughs> Festival for real. It was such a cool event though, and you know they had this like big top kind of vibe with whatever they used as the band shell and it had stripes going up the back. It looked really Barnum and Bailey. I loved it. <laughs> well, I saw, I, 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 did, I didn't make it out there. My wife went and I, I stayed home with the kids, but I, from what I heard and saw videos of and everything, it, it did look like a cool venue and, and a cool, a cool opportunity, I guess, for a band like you that maybe wouldn't necessarily fit in with that crowd, um, but on paper, but it, it clearly worked. Yeah, it was great. And it was interesting because, uh, like I work, like I work in in Chinookwapka, Dakota Nation. They they don't get to go uh, do a lot of different things uh, music wise, you know. And so they they organized some 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 transportation, and and a bunch of the community members came and watched us play, and that was bizarre. Yeah, you know. Well, I guess they're seeing you in a very different context day to day, right? So that, that seeing you on stage yeah. has got to be a trip for them. Yeah, it was it was unreal. That's cool. It was absolutely unreal. Yeah, and they and the feedback was great. How 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 much out of the year are you, are you do you spend touring? I mean, again with the, the day jobs and everything else. Well, right we right now we've done. Um, I think it was three weeks before, then a week, and now this is our another three week section. So what's that? Two seven seven weeks. Uh, we'll probably do twice that next year or more. Um, we just have to. Uh, figure it out and 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 make it work. Um, hopefully, there's a tipping point where we can just work on music for a while. I mean, I love my job and I love working here as well. But I I really want to uh, do music while we can and while you know, kind of strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. So if this record is this record has been doing really well at, at the streaming sites or whatever, we're hearing that there's a lot of uh, positive feedback. So we're going to try and tour as much as we can. I really love playing live. I love that experience and I love talking to fans after the show and 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 learning what your music has meant to them over the years it's it's such a cool thing I I never I I think I appreciated what we had done previously and what we're doing now until just you know the last few years being able to go out and play and talk to people and they and they you know relate the stories of hey when I was this age I listened to this or this song you just wrote I, I can relate and and I love those stories well, yeah, because once you once you put it out in the world, it's kind of out of your hands, right? It's, I mean, whatever you yeah. meant the song, whatever the song meant to you, it's going to be reinterpreted by every single person who listens to it, and it could be a different interpretation every time. 
Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And it is true. Like once you put it out there, it's it's no longer yours. Even though it feels like your kid, your baby, uh, they they could take it and interpret it a million different ways, and uh, you just have to be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's got to be nice to, to hear, especially because people going to your shows, obviously they're fans. They're going to give you positive feedback because your music has meant something to them, you know, for, over the years. So, yeah, it's, it must be cool to hear those interpretations and, and how the song worked for them, even if it was completely radically different from your intention. Yeah. I mean, we it's not this. It's rare that it gets too far away, but like, <laughs> you know. It, it it's it, it does sometimes you know people say well this is what it reminds me of and i never really wanted to change that or take that away from people because i think that's the power of music it can change somebody's mood it could change somebody's situation make them feel better on a you know on a gray day or whatever and i love that yeah definitely definitely
So uh, for people who, um, you know, I'm assuming everyone listening to this knows who you are because the audience is primarily Manitobans. Like you said, you're a proud Manitoban. You have, uh, you know, a long history in this province and, and your band has been fairly successful. But if people don't know your band or want to find out more, what's the best way to, uh, you know, learn more about what you're doing here, your new stuff, uh, probably primarily, and then your older records as well? I mean, any streaming site that's out there like Apple Music, Amazon Music, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, just look up a Conline Crush. There's a list of records. YouTube has videos. Um, we have all the socials, the usual suspects, uh, you know, Facebook, um, Instagram. So just go there. And uh, and if you check out the videos on YouTube, you'll see videos for Sparkling Shine. You don't know what it's like. Our latest video for Invincible, our lyric video for Locked in Your Stone. Um, yeah, just check it out, give it a listen, and you can hear the evolution of the band and, and where we've been and where we got to. And I imagine those some of those older songs are, are still getting a lot of views and listens uh, even today. Yeah, they are, and I'm so grateful for people to take the chance to go down the rabbit hole and, and listen to some of that music and, and be, you know, so positive about it. And even the, you know, the feedback on the new record, which is called When the Devil Drives, is has been just amazing and I, I i'm floored like absolutely floored by how how, how kind and how wonderful the, the fans have been that's awesome and i guess that's a bonus of of, of the internet ch- sort of changing things is that you can hear directly from them uh you know kind of instantaneously once they've listened to your stuff yeah that's the thing yeah as soon as they hear it and they start making comments on your socials and you're like like that's awesome yeah that's cool yeah yeah so in addition to the uh manitoba live music awards do you have any other shows coming up in the relatively near future yeah, like like we are. Um, I think we start around the twenty eighth of uh, of this month in London, Ontario, and we are doing kind of the Golden Horseshoe, uh, Ottawa, and and uh, gosh, Toronto at Leaf Palace, a uh, bunch of different dates, and then we kind of spin our way back towards uh, the Prairies. We played that award show in uh, Winnipeg, and then we end up going to. I think it is just outside of Calgary. We're playing some show on the 21st and that's the last date so far. And then uh, coming home for a bit. And then I don't know what's going on for the Christmas holidays yet. And then I'm sure it's sort of the same, the same thing repeats itself going forward, right? Uh, taking some time back home, going back out on tour. Yeah. Do, do you think you'll ever yeah. stop this? Like, is this something that you, you're, you're set on doing uh, as long as you can? Yep, I think so. I, I, I don't see myself. They're probably going to have to, like, you know, drag me away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
Jackson! 